Hello and welcome to this special podcast episode brought to you by the Treasury Today Group. In October this year, after a two-year absence due to the global pandemic, Treasury Today's seventh Women in Treasury New York Forum took place at the Manhattan Midtown Lofton Terrace. In attendance were guests from some of North America's largest companies. During the event, Meg Coates, Joint Publisher and Head of Operations, presented the findings of Treasury Today's Women in Treasury Global Study 2022, sponsored by State Street Global Advisors. This was followed by an insightful panel discussion, moderated by Sophie Jackson, Joint Publisher and Head of Strategic Content. This year, the panel consisted of Jude Leclerc, Regional Head of Payment Solutions North America, Global Payment Solutions HSBC, Valeria Strapper, Managing Director, Regional Head of Liquidity and Account Solutions for the Americas Payments, JP Morgan Payments, Lisa Chan, Director of Global Treasury, Airbnb, and Mina Defesh, Senior Treasury Professional. Valeria Strapper explained that before entering the world of finance, she had started out as a tennis professional. I was born in Argentina, and uh, that was my first life, because that's when I played tennis until I was 21. I dropped out of school at 15. I went back to do my high school when I was 21, which I did in one year. I was ready to start my career. And then my father was transferred to Mexico, where I started my um, professional career in the corporate world. So I graduated as an engineer. It was quite an interesting transition because I knew how to dress up for to be in the court, <laughs> not to be dressed up like this or to go to the university. So that was the first, the first change. So as an athlete, I needed to make sure I set an ambitious goal, and then I defined a path to get there, train really hard, uh, be prepared to fail many times, recover, bounce back really fast, and keep going, never give up. So that's what I know to do, what I knew, what I learned in the courts, and then what I, I think what we all do in life. I think the second biggest shift was when I understood it wasn't all about me, like being, and when I say about me, not from a selfish perspective, it wasn't about me in the sense of getting ready for the game and be the perfect fit myself. I needed to make others be super fit. That was my, that was my game. For Mina Defesh, the path to a treasury career was not mapped out. I come from a family of doctors and nurses and dentists. So I think it was 11th grade, I came downstairs and I said, you know, I'm not going into the medical field. And my parents went, huh? Um, so I'm going to go study business. I'm going to major in accounting and finance. So in Australia, unlike the US, you finish high school and you choose what you're going to do. Right? So they rely on 17 and 18-year-olds to make life decisions. <laughs> it's brilliant. Such a great system. Um, so off I went. I said, I'm going to do this. And my dad's first reaction was, so how are you going to make money? Like, what are you going to do for a living? So I'm going to be an accountant. Okay. Um, got my first accounting job. That lasted seven months in a medium, kind of small, medium-sized public firm. Hated it. Absolutely hated it. I thought I would interview in the corporate space, right, rather than the public firms. Um, interviewed for an accounting role and the guy that interviewed me, the controller, said, oh, you don't quite fit this, you don't quite fit that, too much experience, not enough. What about treasury? And I went, what's treasury? <laughs> yeah. um, and so that was many, many years ago, I won't tell you how many. 
Uh, and then 2007, I moved to Singapore because I had an opportunity with Ingram to move from Sydney to Singapore. That lasted 11 years. Then California as assistant treasurer, then treasurer, uh, then Southern Florida. So um, I'm now heading over to, to Ohio to, to run treasury for OI Glass. But like I think a lot of people just ended up in treasury by accident. Lisa Chan explained the challenges Treasury faces in a rapidly growing disruptive company. We're now fighting against product launches and entities need to get formed in time because we need to hire these people within you know, a day. Mm -hmm. So it makes things more exciting. It also means um, our coverage that we, we, we lean on our bankers a lot more, which I'm sure some of our familiar faces can uh, attest to that. Um, treasury in more of a hyper growth industry is not immune to the gray areas that the product is in. Yeah. You know, Airbnb is a disruptor. And it also meant that some of the things that we're doing to support it on the treasury side is also almost disruptive. Jude Leclerc shared her views on the topic of parental leave and shared responsibilities. There is a focus on, you know, the motherhood and the maternity leave and parental leave and whatnot, but there are so many different situations that can hit you as a human being. There's moving, you have, you know, elderly members of your family that might you might need to care for and take yeah. some time off, someone gets sick, etc. Being able to have my husband take the, the, the last six months and me go back to work and be yeah. at work and continue my career was the best for me. Everybody's made differently. But I did want that support from my child. I just didn't necessarily feel that it had to be me who did 100% of it. In my case, I don't have children. And my husband had to decide to stop working for a year when we relocated because it was impossible for us to deal with, you know, changing countries, moving countries, and me going through a huge adjustment. And so he was the one who actually took care of everything else other than my job. So I, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. For us, it was a natural, right, kind of decision. We found out we were pregnant three weeks before shutdowns in California, right, before the pandemic. Um, and my husband, who's an engineer, quite a successful engineer, said, mm, I know you're not going to stop, because <laughs> I knew what I was getting into with this relationship. Um, and, and I know I'm a better mother when I'm working. Um, and he said, actually, I want to take some time off. I said, yeah, great. Right, do it. It takes an incredibly strong man to deal with cultural yeah. right, kind of issues um, and say, well, I'm going to do what's right for my son and, and for my family. The conversation turned to the importance of mentoring, sponsorship, advocacy and coaching programs to career development. For me, um, it comes from a, a story where at, at Salesforce, they were becoming very acquisitional. And I got more and more interested in all of the integration work that was around it. And I came to, to my boss, and I was very hesitant at the time because I was worried it was going to jeopardize my, my role. And I said, you know, I'm really interested in M&A integrations, and I want it, you know, this is the area that I really like this. And she became a great advocate for me in that she um, helped rescope my role to carve out a specific you know, project integration, M&A integration management within Treasury. And I was shocked. And maybe it was, I was just too junior at the time, but I said, you know, like, she's like, Lisa, you know, you just have to ask for what you want. Um, you know, I as a manager, if you don't tell me, if you don't have these transparent conversations, yeah. 
I'm just going to put you on this path that I think you want. Yeah. And if you ask for what you want, I will do everything in my power to keep you in the company and to keep you happy. And so, um, you know, that was definitely something that was earth shattering advice for me at, at, at a, an early age. And I'm, I'm still doing it to this day and I'm still uncomfortable doing it. <laughs> Maybe it's the woman in me. <laughs> I think there's mentor, sponsor and advocate. Yeah. Yes. And the mentor is someone who can provide perspectives on your career, provide, provide advice when you have a question when they see something you know that it's helpful for your career the sponsor is someone that if asked about you will probably have something positive to yes. say hear <laughs> something will think about you i think an advocate is someone who has a responsibility to advocate for you at the table finally the panel discussed their experiences in the areas of diversity and inclusion Today, I think there's been a lot of different initiatives within the bank, within the industry. There's these great forums that didn't necessarily exist 10, 15 years ago, like this one today. And it moves the needle little by little on the balance between um, where we see females, not just in teams, but also in those leadership roles. When I moved to Canada, the CEO of HSBC Canada was a female. The lead of the commercial bank was a female and myself and six other women in the leadership team that were on of a team of nine were all women you know and I realized uh, just different countries different progressive views um, and it's not just about the progressive views it also relies on various things that your governments or your organizations are doing to help women so things like you know, in Canada, maternity leaves are much longer paid for and yeah. women can take the time off to come back. There's, there is a lot more laws in place that help us as women do balance <laughs> of, of children or, or even if it's care of, be a, a carer for some, you know, an elderly that's dying. There are a number of laws that protect you to be able to do those alternative things as well as be full throttle on your job. Once upon a time, your year-end rating was based on your performance. Today, um, it's and not just today. Today and for the last few years, it's performance, but there is a rating for behavioral, which is just as important as the first yeah. rating. And the behavioral rating is based on a number of values of, of the company. Openness, connectedness, there's, there's a number of there. Um, and you can't just do one without the other. There's been a lot of more informal activity, and then there's you know wonderful human beings that work in the organizations that help to move things. But when you formalize these things, uh, then it really then applies to everyone in a consistent fashion, which is good. From the diversity and inclusion perspective, I definitely, obviously during COVID, um, it, was, it was very heightened in terms of kind of corporate responsibility and, and making sure that, you know, there was more involvement uh, with the Black Lives Matter and yeah. the anti-Asian hate. And I myself even found myself joining um, our Asians affinity group, they took on a leadership role there. Um, and so, you know, I've noticed that there's, there's definitely more... Um, intentional discussions that are happening. And I think it's all very necessary. Uh, and, um, and it may seem awkward right now because it always is so intentional. I think it's absolutely necessary in order to make it the norm for, for the future and make sure that we can continue to have diverse hiring and just you know make sure that companies as wholes can, can evolve more.
It's not only the what, but the how. Yeah. It's the platform and it's the leadership. The leadership that you demonstrate, not just in your job, but as an ambassador of our culture. And it's equally important. Yeah. So it's not enough that you are great and you exceeded your numbers yeah. and that you're a, you built a great team for you. But you're also that a great ambassador and get involved in different groups or different activities. Em empathy is all about connecting with people. Yeah. If I can connect with people and people feel safe to follow me, to work with me, to not to be threatened by me, then I think I can help amplify their potential. Yeah. Because in the end, it translates into results. If I think about kind of starting my career like 21 odd years ago in Australia, and the executive teams, right, in, in the companies I worked for, I don't remember ever seeing somebody who's from the LGBTQ plus community, mm -hmm. right? Or somebody of color. So it's, uh, it's refreshing, I think, over the years to see um, teams being run by not just diverse in terms of gender or kind of ethnicity, but also diversity of thought, right? I, yeah, you yeah. see, I'm starting to see a lot more introverts, right? I'm a huge extrovert, yeah. like I said, but I'm starting to see people who are introverts, right, not being looked over. Um, they bring such a different perspective, right? Just because they're quiet doesn't mean they're not, you know, mm -hmm. kind of, they don't have anything to, to contribute. Yeah. So I think there's a lot more consciousness. A big thank you to this year's panellists, Jude, Valeria, Lisa and Mina, and to everyone who joined us on the day. Thanks also to our sponsors, HSBC and JP Morgan, and to our supporters, State Street Global Advisors, Barclays, BNP Pariba, City, Invesco and Wells Fargo. If you would like to hear more of our podcast episodes, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can join our Women in Treasury community on LinkedIn.